to Word of Mom Radio here on the Word of Mom Media Network. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to our show. We're an open book. My name is Chris McMurray. And I'm Gene. He's my husband, and he'll be behind the scenes making sure everything is running smoothly. But as always, I will be telling you what I think every step of the way. I have no doubt. On this show, we discuss those difficult situations that a lot of families go through, but are often not talked about. But here we will, because like we said, we're an open book. In our relationship, we've dealt with marriage, divorce, remarriage to each other, addiction, sobriety, losing a business because of injury, and the ultimate sorrow of losing our son, Scott. Wow, that's a lot of stuff. A lot of families go through a lot of stuff. Everybody's got something. Everybody's got their stuff. How are you today, sweetheart? I'm doing good. Throughout this series, we've been telling the story of our life together, as told in our book. That's our book Chris is holding up. It's called Live, Laugh, Fly. Available on Amazon. We'll tell you more about that later on. Absolutely, we will. But why don't you recap the story up until now, but not the whole thing? God, no, not the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Just a short overview of how we got here. After all, everyone out there hasn't listened to every episode, I don't think. But they're hanging on every month. Well, be quick, because there is a lot to talk about. I know, I know. Here it goes. After being married, then divorced, and then remarried again, our son got sick with a very aggressive form of cancer. It was called desmoplastic small round cell tumor. It is very rare and very difficult to treat. When we left last time, Scott had just started chemotherapy. That's where we'll begin this portion of the story. Was that brief enough? Perfect. Good deal. So we're now into the treatment phase of our son's disease. And these are difficult memories for me because he was miserable and in a lot of pain. And of course, as parents, all we wanted to do is fix him, but we're powerless. So now in this start, we're in April of 2008, and Scott has endured four rounds of a brutal chemo regimen. It seems he was hospitalized at least two times between rounds due to infections and dangerously low blood counts. Yeah, it really is such a pressure cooker. Around a week after each infusion, we had to watch him like a hawk, taking his temperature constantly. If it rose to 100.4, he was to be taken to the emergency room right away. What happens is the chemo just attacks the immune system. Mm An infection is as dangerous as a disease. It would actually run wild because his body had no defenses. Oh, I know. And they had a couple of close calls and several unplanned hospitalizations. Also, throughout those first four rounds, we were trying to prepare for surgery that was scheduled for mid-April. They were to remove a kidney as well as other affected areas. Mm -hmm. And this was major abdominal surgery. Major. So this required a three-day prep, which entailed a clear liquid diet, the jello, broth, etc. But after a couple of days, he is angry, he's hungry, and he's complaining a lot. Do you remember what we'd hear for three days? I'm hungry, just make me a grilled 
grilled cheese sandwich. I won't tell anyone. How about some bacon and eggs? <laughs> but the thing is, you couldn't. Those were the doctor's orders. Right. So tonight before the surgery, 10 p.m. or so, and Scott says he's going out for a drive just to clear his head. Just to clear his head. And I guess right. we could have insisted that he stay home, but he's facing a long recovery, and this may be his last chance to do anything for a little bit. And he's clearing his head. This is a good thing. And you got to understand, he was old enough to make all his medical decisions. He was certainly old enough to decide to go out for a drive. Absolutely. So off he goes, and he was gone an hour or so. Two an hour and a half maybe at the most. Yeah, not long at all. So the morning of the surgery, April 14th, we get to the hospital at about 6 a.m. The surgical team did a final prep. We kissed Scott goodbye. We wish him well before they wheel him off into the OR. The surgery lasted an agonizing eight-plus hours. There were very few updates. Then finally, at about 4 o'clock that afternoon, we were able to go see him. You ready to do your reading? I am. This is the perfect spot. As we do in each episode, Chris reads some portion of our book, Live, Laugh, Fly, and then we come back on the other side of the reading to discuss it. It's up to you. I'm ready. Go. I watched as Scott was wheeled into the ICU unit. He had been in treatment for four months, and I could not believe how different he looked. He had lost a lot of weight. His complexion was the color of white construction paper, and he didn't have a single strand of hair, not even an eyelash. He was sleeping. When I walked into his room, my eyes teared up at the sight of his bald head. I instinctively massaged his head and talked to him. I told him how brave he was, and when he was feeling better, I hoped he could do everything he wanted to do. I went to his bedside, and I kissed his shiny bald head. I rubbed his neck, his head, his shoulders, then his feet. He did not awaken. As I was massaging him, I thought of Superman. Superman was Scott's favorite superhero. As a little boy, he would constantly wear his Superman pajamas. He wore them wherever we went. Some days he would put a suit over them and tuck a pair of sunglasses in the pocket so he could be Clark Kent. He loved everything about Superman. He would lay on a chair, belly down, arms in front of him, and pretend that he was flying. One day, when we were in the supermarket, there was a giant mess in one of the aisles, with broken bottles of mayonnaise, ketchup, and other condiments strewn all over the floor. Ready for action, in his trusty pajamas, three-year-old Scott marched up to the manager who was cleaning the spill and put his hands on his hips. This is a job for Superman, he exclaimed. Everyone smiled. Scott was still sleeping, but soon it was evident that there was a problem. He was losing control of his bowels and diarrhea was coming full force. As soon as I cleaned him up, another bout would come. Scott was beginning to wake, but he was very disoriented and I knew something was very wrong. I called a nurse and I wondered if maybe something happened in surgery. Perhaps they left a sponge inside his body. I insisted that they x-ray him. They did and said everything was fine, but it wasn't. Diarrhea persisted. Scott continued to be in and out of sleep. Finally, I remembered something. Scott, when you went for a drive last night, where did you go? I asked. Not gonna lie, I went to Burger King, he said. So much for the clear liquid diet. Approximately eight hours before abdominal surgery, Scott had a Whopper with cheese, french fries, and a Coke. To this day, we have no idea if that Whopper and cheese 
was the cause of his ongoing abdominal issues. He would he would always have them. That's right, and I guess we'll never know. Well, there was no time at that point to worry about it. We had two weeks to recover before he faced three more rounds of chemo. That's right, and throughout the treatment, up until that point, whether it was post-surgery or during the periods between chemo rounds when his blood counts were down, Scott was given a lot of blood transfusion. And he wasn't the only one. All the kids that were in treatment seemed to be getting blood all the time. Yeah, it seemed to be a standard part of treatment. Right. But noticing this, we saw a way to help. We spoke with our church, and they agreed to host a blood drive for the local Red Cross chapter. We turned it into a party. We played Beatle music. We had all of Scott's favorite foods, and everybody wanted to help. It turned out to be a really successful blood drive. We collected over 160 units of blood, but more importantly, it gave the folks a way to help, do something, a way to contribute. Absolutely, and we will be forever grateful to our church, Hitchcock Presbyterian, for constant support and love. They were instrumental in making that day happen. It, it was truly a great day, but again, it was back to the hospital to begin chemo the very next day. He was also preparing for a stem cell transplant. Yeah, remember what happened shortly before the transplant? How, how can I forget? He broke his wrist, skateboarding, which, of course, he was advised not to do. Well, he was also advised not to eat Whoppers before abdominal surgery, too. But somehow the broken wrist was managed, and he got back to preparing for the stem cell transplant. One of the things he had to do was to inject himself daily in an effort to stimulate his white blood count. And once his white blood count re reached an acceptable level, it was harvested to be used when it came time for his own stem cell transplant. Oh my, how did he go through of all that? Rehashing it is so hard. You know, I remember the stem cell transplant was a month's hospital stay for him and maybe the hardest part of the whole treatment. I know for me, it was the most hardest to see him go through that. And the stem cell transplants done in the most sterile environment. Nobody entered his room without protective gear. He was blasted with three very powerful chemotherapy, and a nurse was constantly at his side the entire time monitoring him. Once the chemo phase was done, the doctors reintroduced his own white blood cells that had been harvested earlier. Then, finally, he could begin to recover. After all of that, he was discharged. Chris, you have a special memory of his discharge day. He was leaving his hospital room for the first time in a month, four weeks he spent in that room. That's right. And when he walked out, all the nurses and staff, they stood up and they applauded him. They understood how difficult what he had been just through. Did you know, I realized 20% did not come out of that cell room. You know, I mean... That's a lot. You know, 10 kids go in, eight come out. So he's walking by all the nurses. He's walking by all the nurses and he smiles and he waves, but he walks directly to the other transplant room where a little six-year-old boy was just beginning his stem cell transplant. And Scott peeked in and he gave him a thumbs up and they smiled at each other. And then we went home. 
you know, there were a lot of younger children on the pediatric cancer yeah. ward. Scott was probably the oldest, mm -hmm. or amongst the oldest. One of them, yeah. But he always had time for the little guys. He did. He, he, spent, did. he always seemed to spend some time. And there are a lot of beautiful stories like that one that we were able to be part of during his illness, which leads us to our next story that happened just about that time. Chris is going to read one more excerpt from our book, and this story involves somebody that you may have heard of. I think they did hear about All right, let's hear it. Okay, so this is the beginning of the transplant. And during the first couple of days, Scott was given anti-seizure medications that he tolerated fairly well. So far, so good. We thought maybe this wouldn't be so bad after all. We spent most of the days watching and listening to John Lennon, enjoying some home videos Yoko Ono had put to music of her, John, and Sean Lennon. We loved this, especially a video featuring the song Mind Games, where John was seen walking through Central Park, signing autographs and being silly. The videos were great, but I just cherished the fact that Scott and I could love the same music. I would lay in his bed next to him, and we would talk and laugh about the Beatles cancer, everything. One day when Scott was sleeping, I wandered down the hall to the social worker's office and asked them if they could help me find Yoko Ono's address. I wanted to write her a letter thanking her for putting together these videos. Within a couple of minutes, address in hand, I was back in Scott's room composing a letter to Yoko Ono. I told her my son was a patient at Children's Hospital and was such a fan of John Lennon. Besides thanking her, I shared my gratitude that my 19-year-old son and I could bond over her husband's music. I mailed the letter, honestly forgetting about it. About a year later, I received a letter and a picture signed by Yoko Ono. In the letter, she asked how Scott was and that she hoped he was well. She sent the classic photo of her and John laying on a bed and autographed it. The day Scott received this, he was not feeling well. I walked into his room with the letter and picture. After he read it, he looked at the picture, then to me, and smiled. How did I get this, he asked. I told him what I had done. He smiled so big, so cool, he said. We found a frame and positioned the picture on his stand right next to his bed. Scott and I often spoke about the note and picture. We knew that Yoko had a bad reputation, some people still believing that she broke up the Beatles. But to Scott and me, she was a beautiful woman who made a very sick fan so very happy. Chris, you have the picture right there. Right to hold do. it up. See if anybody let's see if we can see it. Can you see that? There it is. Yep. There it is. There it is. It there it is. John and Yoko. Great story. You know, Yoko apologized in her note that it took so long to reply. The thing is, every letter that Yoko receives, especially one like this, I would think. She answered personally in her own hands. No yes. secretaries. She did it herself. That's right. So no worries, Yoko, about how long or anything, because we are grateful. We are. We're still grateful. After all that chemo, surgery, a grueling stem cell, Scott had a month to recover before he has to face 28 rounds of abdominal radiation. The doctors just kept coming at him with treatment. They were just tr throwing everything at him that they could, hoping to get him well. And that was the protocol. They were just trying to get him cancer-free. 
I know, but it was so much. Why don't you talk just a bit about the radiation? Well, it was complete abdominal, and that was aggravated by his already troubled GI system. Right. And his weight plummeted, and his six foot two body was down below 120 pounds, and I was so afraid. It was frightening, there's no doubt about it. But on the bright side, we could see the light at the end of the tunnel it's for his treatment. The bright side. The, the, the always, well, you hope we so tried, anyway. We tried. We tried. But we were making plans to celebrate the end of his treatment. We, we planned on a trip to Jamaica for the day after Christmas, almost a full year after his treatment began. Right. And our entire extended family was planning on going. And we came very close to not making it. A couple of weeks before Christmas, Scott screamed at me to come into his room. I went and I saw his whole body a bright yellow. He was jaundiced, a complication from radiation. This will take a while to clear up, but in the meantime now, he developed a blood infection. And the blood infection was much more concerning yeah. than the jaundice. Again, he was hospitalized and put on an antibiotics. That's right, and somehow, I don't know how, with only two days to spare, he responded to the antibiotics and he was cleared to travel. Yep. He was in a very weakened state, skinny, yellow from jaundice, and battered by a full year of cancer treatment. But he had his moment in Jamaica. We went out on a couple of jet skis, him on his, myself on mine, and his cousins on their own. Nobody could keep up with him out there. I know. All I can remember in that moment was watching him fly across the horizon on his jet ski for a moment, just living. And all I can think of was, he's so amazing, and he is Superman, and he's my son. He is indeed. He's my son. And that is a perfect place to end today's episode. Chris, why don't you tell us one more time about the book? That's right. Live, Laugh, Fly is available on Amazon, and 100% of proceeds will help benefit children's cancer programs. There are a lot of families at the hospital that need our help. Yep. And if you have heard something in this episode, or have a comment, or just like to, to tell us what you think about what we've talked about today, we would love to hear it. First way to get in touch with us is at our email address, which is remember love never dies at gmail.com. And we also have a Facebook page called We're an Open Book, and you can leave a comment there. Or you can just leave a comment down below where the comments go. That's easy. You can do that too. So that's it, folks. That's the story of our son's treatment and um, his cancer treatment. So it's time for us to say goodbye. And the one thought we will leave you with is... Always remember, love never dies. Love never dies. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye. She is sure. She is sure. She is strong. She is strong.
her dreams 